You know what? We started last August uh, going to hunter safety class. I took my uh, older daughter and my younger daughter, 13 and 10, uh, took them to the hunter safety class. And uh, I mean, it's not, it's no small task. For those of you who have taken it, you're like, yeah, I know. I mean, it was like four hours on Friday night and eight hours on Saturday. And, you know, there were some tears and uh, there was fear. Uh, And that's me. And like, it was a rough little walkthrough, but we got through it. The kids did great. You know, Alyssa got a 49 out of 50 on the test. And Megan, I think she got a 48 out of 50. And I don't remember what I got. I think I got a 50 out of 50. So we, uh, we got done with the hunter safety class and, uh, you know, it was time to start getting prepared for deer season. So I took one of my shotguns and got the stock cut down short for Megan and, or was trying to, that took about a month and a half. Turns out couldn't do that with the gun I had. So I ended up buying this shorter stock. We got it in place like two weeks before the deer season and got her out, got her practicing with some trap shooting and some still target shooting. And she shot, shot some slugs. It was like dead on at 70 yards. I mean, she was ready to rock, you know? So we get out there to go deer hunting, and we sit down, and I'm sitting with her the whole time. Uh, that was a great father-daughter time, just chatting and relaxing together for three days uh, out in the woods. And we sat down on Friday, and every four minutes was like, like moving around, and the jacket's making noise, and she's moving the leaves. And, and so we saw a ton of deer sitting there that day. I mean, we saw probably... I think we saw 20 to 25 deer going north and going south, but not coming at us. Do you know what I'm saying? So we talked a little bit about sitting more quietly and what does that look like and how do you do this? And, and, and she, she grasped it pretty well. So we get out there Saturday and uh, it's foggy like you wouldn't believe. I mean, like I couldn't see the back of the auditorium in here. It was ridiculous fog. So we talked about safety and being careful and we're not going to shoot except right into here where there's a hill because we don't know what's up there, or who's up there and all that stuff. And we sat and we waited quietly and uh, it went through the whole course of time. I won't go through the whole details, but at the very end, uh, my dad gets on the radio. Uh, we had walkie talkies for safety as well. And, and he said, hey, just so you know, we're coming down. Uh, my, unc- you know, my uncle and my cousin, we're coming out of the hills. The three of them are coming out. So just watch out. Uh, as we come down, but uh, also, you know, we might kick something up. So they're walking down towards us, and I said to Megan, get ready, you might want to put your gun up, because they're going to kick something out of here, I almost guarantee it, without seeing anything so far. So she lifts her gun up and gets it kind of ready, and all of a sudden I can see the orange of my dad as he's getting out into the field, and sure enough, there up jumps a deer, and it's running right down at us. And Megan's holding on and holding on, and that deer gets into about 20 yards, 15 yards, and she pulls the gun up, and that deer is in mid-motion, mid-jump, and it goes, like it sees her, and it hits the ground, and bam, and it goes the other direction. And so she kind of swings on it, and I'm watching, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and there's no shot, and I'm like, it's not coming. So I pulled up, and I go to squeeze off, and it was like, it went, bang! I shot, she shot. I mean, right together, and the deer rolled right there, and she went out, and, uh, she put the final shot in. So for those of you who aren't hunters, that, I'll just stop there. So she put the final shot in. And you know what? It was a great moment where, I, I'm not even sure who hit it first. We won't go there. But, but the reality is, she ended up having a chance to experience deer hunting out there and, and was able to put that last shot out there. And uh, Megan had a great time. And as we talked about it and reviewed it and, and joked about it and laughed about it, here's the reality. 
a ton of preparation, a ton of planning, a lot of talking through things, trying it out on Friday and it not really going all that well and trying to learn to get a little bit better at sitting quietly and sitting still. And you know what? Preparation is where it's all at. We're in a series called Fight Right, battling the world, the flesh, and the devil. And today we're going to wrap it up. We're closing the, service, the series today with this statement. Are you ready to do battle? Are you ready and prepared to go after this? Are you ready to learn and grow? That's where we're headed, is pulling it all together and launching out ready to learn and grow. We might have a Friday experience where we're kind of moving around too much and we're not really having the best experience. Or we might have a Saturday experience where we're starting to get the victory. Today is putting it all together and going after the victory. You know what? Uh, we're going to start with overview of the war. And I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward and pass out some cards. Everybody take one of these, okay? Pass them down the row and just everybody take one. This is a summary of the last four weeks, okay? So we put it on both sides. There's uh, some information there for you. Just everybody take one. And uh, let's go ahead and go to the next slide. And I'll talk to the slide while they're getting these passed out. This is on the front side of your card, okay? This is that unbelievably fancy drawing we made to uh, go through and understand the world, the flesh, and the devil. So let's just talk through it one more time. The world and the devil, those are our external pressures, right? That's what's pushing in on us any given day, any given time. We've got a possibility of the world and the devil as the outside pressures. What's the world? It's that anti-God view or that anti-God thing. That stuff of the world, those landmines that can trip us up. They're not targeted specifically at a weakness of you per se. They're generally targeted general weaknesses of the general person. It's a landmine, okay? And the world is that place in which we need to live well and not be hit by the landmines, all right? The devil, that's that sniper attack from the evil one. He specifically knows you are specifically doing too much good. You are too useful. I'm going to take him down. I'm going to take her down. And the devil targets those known weaknesses in you and goes after some sort of temptation, lie, whatever, to get you to trip up. Okay? So that's the world and the devil. In every single case, we fall when the flesh is tripped. It's our own issue. The devil made me do it is a joke of a statement. The real statement is, it was the selfish weak spot within me. And I let go. And I went after what felt good, what seemed good in the moment to go ahead and gratify. But in the end, it isn't satisfying. It was just a momentary satisfaction. The flesh, those are selfish imperfections. So if you look at the solutions around it, we'll just read them real quickly, okay? The solution to the world, live a passionate faith. Know your God, run after him hard. Grasp God's view, know the word, understand God's view. Build healthy fence lines. In other words, you're keeping the muck out, okay? and choose smart paths. Where you walk will often determine how much of the world hits you. Choose smart paths. So how do we battle the world? It has a lot to do with that preparing, that setting up in advance, okay? The devil. You guys covered that last week with Pastor Kent. Things went really well there, and we were able to walk through a great challenge with you guys on Satan's attack with us. And a couple of truths that we came out of there with the devil. Identify the lie. He's the father of lies. He's going to whisper untruth in your ear. Whether it be satisfaction statements, oh, that one's going to be totally worthwhile. Go after it. 
Or maybe it's God understandings. God doesn't even care about you right now. You know, whatever it might be, these lies that we begin to buy into. Identify the lie, know the truth from Scripture, understand where he's coming from, and then choose to live that truth. Basically, it's not good enough to quote a Scripture and walk away. That's what we're trying to say. You have to begin to live it, breathe it, believe it. That's what ends up putting you into the hands of God. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. Okay? It's all about going after this thing where we're identifying the lie, understanding the truth, and choosing to live the truth. That's the way we put down the devil element. Stand firm, if you want to put it that way. And then the flesh. The solution. Identify the weak spots, because we've all got them. What are yours? I've already made a few of mine publicly known to 850 people. You can make yours known. Avoid the weak spots. In other words, hey, here's the times where I always tend to drop. This is my problem. This is when I go out. I got to make sure in those moments I'm getting out of there, okay? And then grow in those weak spots. So avoid and grow. That's how we manage the flesh, all right? That's a real quick summary of what we've done over the last three weeks. Now what we're going to do, flip this card over. You go, oh my word, he's an engineer. Okay? Question. It says when we talk about Satan, stand firm. But it says when we talk about the flesh, flee, run. How do you know which one to do? When am I going to run and when am I going to stand firm? That's a pretty important question to get nailed down before we move forward, okay? And that's what today is all about. We're pulling the three solution sets together and showing how they give you a day-in and day-out plan of attack, a battle plan, if you will. That's what this is, know the battle plan. So let's start at the top. We're just going to walk through it. Remember, we talked about submitting to God, this whole thing we learned when we talk about the world. It's pursue Him daily and passionately. Know your word. Spend time in the Scripture. Set healthy fence lines and choose those smart paths. It's the solutions of the world. When we talk about battling the world, that has to happen every day. It's your starting point, okay? So the battle plan starts with submit to God. Get a relationship going with Him. Get a passion going for Him. Please, don't walk out of here trying to say, I'm not going to have any relationship with God, but I sure am going to try to control this flesh. I'm just telling you, that's a battle plan that's going to blow up in your face. That's going to end up with a lot of hurt and a lot of pain and a lot of heartache because you're trying to muscle it yourself. It's all about a relationship with the Almighty. It's all about knowing the God who can touch you and change you right now. That's what it's about. Submit to God. So pull in that solution of the world in. Now, here's the engineering part, right? The little decision boxes. Okay. So remember we talked about if you're faced with a known weakness, like I absolutely know I constantly fall when, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. Easy one, right? The computer is not a safe place for me. I make bad decisions and I start going to places I shouldn't go. I absolutely know when nobody's around, that thing becomes a tool that really manipulates me. Okay, so faced with a known weakness, if it's no, if it's not a weakness, then there's another question you can ask yourself. If it's yes, you drop right down to the flea box. Absolutely, you're out of there. It's time to get out, okay? And we'll talk about what flea means in just a second. So if it isn't a known weakness, I don't typically fall here. This, is, this should be a good spot. The next question you ask, well, am I starting to sense myself falling here? Is this a surprise weakness? Am I being drawn in? If the answer is yes, you're back to flee. See that? 
See how it takes you right back to the flea box? That's what it's all about. If this is a known weakness, run. If it wasn't a known weakness, but I'm starting to fall, run. That's the answer. When do I flee? It's when I know I typically fall there or when I'm just about to fall and I've recognized it and it surprised me. You're out of there in either spot. Get out. Flee from youthful lust, which war against the soul. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. He's absolutely guaranteed you a way to escape. Take it and run. Flee. Okay? What does flee mean? Take a look. This is what we talked about two weeks ago. It means you either change your location, you might change your situation, you know, like getting rid of the computer or putting some kind of software on that monitors it at all times and has somebody with you that uh, knows what's going on. Change isolation. Maybe it's just that you're too much alone and it's time to hook up with a friend. Change your goals or your focus. It could be that you're just absolutely about the wrong stuff and it's time to start getting to be all about the right stuff. Okay? Flee. It's changing some things in your life and going after them. And then after that, it's not just running, okay? If all you do is just keep running, you never actually grow. So it is about growing as well. Worship him, starve the flesh, be transformed. We pulled those out of the, uh, the grow passages. You know, not my comfort, my king. Be obedient. Join a community like this church with small groups and study groups and relationships. And be patient. It does take time. Wait on him. Watch him work. Watch God work. So when do we do it? When we're going to fall or when it's a known weak spot and we got to get out of there. Otherwise, you're standing firm. And that's the thing way down in the bottom right. That's when we're standing against the devil. Identify the lie, know the truth, and choose to live that truth. Okay? You see how it all comes together? So even if you never could read a flow chart before, now you can. Right? This is at least something that gives an answer. Because, I mean, honestly, we can throw solutions at you, but the reality is you could have three different solutions, and how do you know which one to apply when? And you go, well, I'm applying this one, and now this one hit me. This is a way to let you know how they all fit together. Okay? So that's at least a starting point. It gives you an understanding of the war and the battle plan. Here's what I want to do in the remainder here. We're going to look at two different scenarios. One where there's a failure and one where there's a success. All right? So first, take heed lest you fall. Run when you're over your head. We're going to take a look at Genesis 3. This is an example that God has given us from his scripture where what we learn is clearly exemplified for us. And if we don't follow, it blows up. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 3. You know, the ushers are going to be coming forward. They've got some Bibles in their hands. So just uh, raise your hand. We'd love to get a Bible to you. We're going to be walking verse by verse through this. So just raise your hand. The ushers will get a Bible to you, okay? Genesis chapter 3. Take heed lest you fall. Run when you're over your head. All right. Here we go. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made couple things to note here, okay? The serpent, which, as we find out in other passages, Satan himself is tempting. He's more crafty than any other being. More crafty. That means extreme amount of intellect, extreme amount of understanding and insight, and a real ability to watch your body language and watch your spiritual life and know weak spots. More crafty, divisive, evil. And yet, some of it's positive. Just really smart. 
But notice this, that the Lord God had made. This is a being. Satan is limited. He's a being that lives in one spot, one place, one time. Limited power, and God Almighty has to give permission. That's who we have, Satan. Allowing to touch us at certain moments, a created being, nothing to be afraid of because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We serve a God who is all-powerful, and there is great hope in it. Now, if we keep moving, he says, he, the serpent, said to the woman, did God actually say? Can you hear the sarcasm in it? This, this questioning in it? Did he actually say? And, and then he fills it in. Did he actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Well, well actually, he didn't say that, right? He asks a bogus question. He overstates the question because he's trying to pull him in. He could walk up and say, did he actually say not to eat of that? Whatever, yes. Did he actually say not to eat of anything? Oh, wait, now that's horrifically wrong. I should address that. And so she leans in and she says, well, no, he didn't say that. She says, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Okay, a couple things here. She got wooed into a communication that she shouldn't have. She should have run. It's done. I'm not here to talk to you. This isn't up for grabs. If you didn't understand the rules, go talk to God. I'm out. I'm moving on. But instead, she began to engage. And then when she does engage, she overquotes. She misstates, really. What she says is, there's this rule that God made, and it's not, not to eat of it. So I created this other rule around it, and, and it's not touch it. You know why I did that? Because if I do that, I'm certainly not going to be anywhere near it, or I'm not going to be handling it. And so don't even touch it. That's like my rule to keep me away from his rule. Now, that's not bad to create a rule that helps keep you further away. It's the healthy fence line, right? So she creates a healthy fence line. But here's the problem. Often we make donuts out of that. What do I mean by that? We put God's glory and God's rule and God's purpose at the middle, and then we wrap our rule around it, and then we remove God's whole rule. And it just becomes our rule. And it's this donut sitting there. There's really no reason or purpose. God actually never even mandated it. It was a command we created for ourselves to limit ourselves, to try to be a healthy fence line, and we can't even remember why we made it. And she sits there with her donut. Can't even touch it. Otherwise, I'll die. And Satan goes, got her. And now he casts into it. And what does he say? He says, verse 4, The serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Start questioning it. For God knows that when you eat of it, you will be, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When I first read this, I thought, wow, that's really a big jump, right? But what was the name of the tree? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It wasn't a big stretch, you know? I mean, we're told that in chapter 2. It's like, you know that tree that's labeled the knowledge of good and evil? If you eat of it, you'll have the knowledge of good and evil. Like, wow, thanks for the big revelation, right? But what he's really saying is, he's trying to hold you away from the very purpose of that tree. Do you understand what you're losing out on? Look what you're missing. And her donut, it isn't holding up to it very well. 
He says, you will be like God. The battle cry of the Almighty is to hear people screaming, I will be like you, instead of, you are so worthy. Satan standing up to say, I will be like the Most High. And then saying to the woman, you will be like the Most High. It's the evil cry. He says in verse 4, or verse 6, I'm sorry, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of it and ate it. Okay, take a look at those three things. She saw that it was good for food, lust of the flesh, that it was good for the eyes, lust of the eyes, and that it would make you wise, pride of life. The world, in all three of its attacks, right there in front of her, she got hit by all three, and she's going down to all three. Why? Because it's time to run. And she's trying to stand firm. Because she's quoting what God said. And she's quoting it wrong. Because her entire attack back is not appropriate. It's opening up herself to the weakness. It's not understanding what God is all about. And it's creating a donut for her defense. It's my rules and what I created, not God's rules. And she's got a problem coming. She needed to run. She needed to be out of that position. And instead, she's trying to stand firm. And she's going down. Now it says, she took of it and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate. Because we always love to have company when we're in misery. Right? I mean, think of it. Can you imagine how this went? Her rule was you can't even touch it or you die. Imagine how this must have went, right? It doesn't say this in Scripture. It's extra biblical. God didn't give me this special word. I'm just making it up right now. But I could see this happening, okay? She comes up to the apple and she reaches up. Do you think she just grabbed it and took it? Went over and... I mean, she just said, if you touch it, you're going to die. So she probably went up and went... Uh, and touched it. Well, that didn't work. I didn't die. Maybe this whole thing is a crock. But see, her rule was the made-up rule. And the made-up rule never followed through. And then she plucks it. Nothing. I'm still fine. And then she eats, takes one bite, and the whole world comes crumbling down. All of a sudden, the amazing darkness of loneliness and separation the hurt and the pang and the angst in her gut of knowing she went the wrong way and did the wrong thing. The offense to a holy God and the awareness of the pain of it all has collapsed in on her. When did it happen? When she touched? No. When she took? No. When she ate? Yes. God's law followed through. Be very careful. We love the world of legalism. We love it. We find a rule in God's scripture and we take it and then we try to raise it up and wrap everything around it we possibly can and we get these amazing lists of do's and don'ts to try to accomplish his goals. And our do's and don'ts may not be his. Be very careful. All of a sudden we're living these legalistic rules and we can't figure out why we're not happy and it's because we violated the core of what God's trying to accomplish in our life. Know your scripture. Know God's purpose in your life. Know what he's trying to accomplish and where he's moving with you and where he's trying to shape you and go after that. 
Watch your legalistic rules. Don't, don't get me wrong. Healthy fence lines are wise. And building a fence line, if she just said, look, I want you to be clear. He said, don't eat of it or you die. My fence line, I'm not even going within 100 yards. That's where I'm going with it. He says, well, did God say that? No, I said that just now. I told you. I'm building a healthy fence line. It's my rule. I'm staying away from there. God's rule, no eat. My rule, not within 100 yards. Why? Because he's so important to me. Do you hear how I just talked about him and his rule and his understanding and his glory and his purpose? And I'm just building something around it just to protect. That's what we always have to make sure of. No legalism. Hardcore fence line. Big difference. Big difference. Now, in the end, she pulls him in, and uh, he falls as well. And you know what? You're going to have to watch out for this, because you're going to have friends, maybe very well-intentioned friends. And I'm telling you, every friend that's sinning loves to have another friend with them that's sinning. So watch out. Be very careful. It's easy to go down with who you know and who you hang with. Choose smart paths. Watch out. Be careful. They say here at the end, verse 8, I can't read this in this, in this light. And, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Hid themselves. What's the result of sin? What's the result of our own choice? Shame. Not wanting to stand in his presence. When we start talking about the first step is submitting to God and a relationship with him, Guess what hinders that? Number one, our own choices, our own ways of doing things where we end up feeling like we're in an angst against God. And so we end up hiding from him. And guess what else we tend to do? We tend to look around and try to find a number of other people who are doing badly as well, because we actually feel a little better about ourselves if we can just take everybody else down a notch. You know what I'm talking about? It's just me. Do you know what I'm talking about? Right? Like, if I can get 52 other people where I can prove they're worse than me that day, then I'm doing pretty good. And I actually never go after growth myself. I'm just going to try to rip you down. And you down. And you, and you, and you, and you, and you. And if I can get you all down, then I'm doing pretty good. That's the result of sin in our life. Judging. Hammering. Trying to make sure we prove they've got issue. Here's my question. Are you ready to run? Are you ready to flee with all you've got? To stand up and get out of there? That's going to be the battle cry. Where do you need to flee? We talked about it a couple weeks ago. How are you doing with it? Today we're going to be talking about the difference between standing firm and fleeing. So are you ready to put it together? Where do you need to be just getting out of there? A, because you don't know the word. You're misquoting. You're not even sure what it says. You need to take some time to learn. Get out of there then. Get out and get down to learning some scripture. And then you can stand firm once you understand better what's going on. Know the truth. Know the situation. Know it's not a weak spot for you. Otherwise, you should be booking. You should be out of there. Where is it you need to be out of there? What trips you up every week? You got it in your head? We all got them. You got it? Pick some spots where you need to be identifying change that need to happen. Places you need to flee. This is an example where it just went horribly awry. Okay, 
Let's turn to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. This is an example where it went actually very well. Thank you. This does work. Submit to God fully. Stand firm where there is no... Are you putting it up? So they got it. Submit to God fully. Stand firm where there is no weakness. This is a really important point. And Kent hit on this last week. We're putting it all together now. So there's a chance where you can stand firm and a chance where you can run. And you've got to figure out when to do it. Let's just learn a little bit from Christ as he's dealing with the temptation. So now we know weakness about the most minimum you can get, right? We're dealing with the Almighty who is clothed with flesh. So here we go. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. Uh, Not a better description of submit to God than I've ever found. He is led by the Spirit. He is interacting with the Holy Spirit. He is growing in. He He is being graced by. He is understanding deeper and he is being shown where to step. He is being guided and led by the Spirit. He's in a submit-to-God position. Why is he going there? Well, the Spirit's got a purpose, that he would be tempted by the devil. There's going to be this external pressure on him. Verse 2, and after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Is that like the most huge understatement of all time? And after 40 days of not eating, he was hungry. Okay, I, I believe you. So he's very hungry, okay? Verse 3, And the tempter came and said to him, If you're the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Now, I got to tell you, I don't believe that he came up and said it this way. If you're the Son of God, why don't you go get some bread? Make the stones turn into bread. I don't think he did it with this big, huge, heavy, judgmental, because it's easy to resist that. You know what I mean? You come into somebody who's weak and tired and hungry, and you go, hey, if you're the Son of God, why don't you just turn those stones into bread? I mean, that looks pretty good, doesn't it? You've got the right. You've got the authority. You've got the power. Go ahead. Just, just do it. Come on. You're the son of God. You've got to love when he steps up to him with the word if. If you're the son of God, I mean, what an offense to who he is. Jesus has an answer. Verse 4. It is written. Remember how we said, find the truth in Scripture, know what it is, and be ready to live it with all you've got. It is written. Now, Jesus actually goes through three different it is written's here, okay? So we're just going to, I'm going to skip across each of them. And notice this. We have, if you are the Son of God, command these stones. And then again, in verse uh, 6, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. And then again at the end, and he said to him, all these things I will give to you. So Satan is beginning, he's continuing the pressure in. And he started the first two with, if, if you're the son of God. And he goes into three temptations. First is, why don't you turn the stones into bread? It's the lust of flesh. Like, there's a hunger you have going on, why don't you just satisfy it? And then the next one he goes to is, why don't you just throw yourself off this building and see if the angels will catch you? And in the midst of saying to do that, what's he really doing? Why don't you put a little show on Why don't you make it clear who you really are? I mean, come on. You're supposed to be the God of the universe and you come here with this servant junk? Come on, show some authority. 
why don't you jump off and let it just be displayed with all you got? The angels will care for you, right? And then the last one, he says, you know what, why don't you just bow to me, and I'll give you this whole place. Uh, would he really have given it to him? I mean, once he bows, it's done, right? I mean, come on, you're talking about the father of lies anyway. But he's really saying, I want you to have what's rightly yours. Why don't you take it? The pride of life, the possessions. Now, here's the kicker to all this. Jesus had the right to every one of those. To food, to angels protecting him, and to the possessions of all of it. But I guarantee you this. With his mind rightly intact, he knows this. Oh, don't you worry. This will be mine. Oh, don't you worry. I understand the plan. I am the king of kings and lord of lords. And I will be ruling over this. Now's not the time. I've got a plan. And it will be served. And much more will be served than that. I'm telling you this. It is written. Right? Do you hear? I mean, he's living it with all he's got. And he gives one sentence. It is written. It is written. It is written. Know your word. Know the plan. And be willing to live it with everything you have. Jesus Christ sold out for you and for me. This moment would have train wrecked the entire gospel into no plan at all. And instead, it's a plan that lasts for all eternity. Because of his love for you. Because of his love for me. Him standing up and saying, there's a day where I will be coming back with fire in my eyes. I will be riding a white horse and this place will be taken and it will be mine. I'm not giving it away. This is mine. In due time. In due time. You know, as we see at the end here, he says, Be gone, Satan, for it is written. And he quotes at the end, You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. Okay? There are two fleeings going on. Either you flee when it's a weak spot in you, or he flees when you stand firm and resist, submitting yourself first to God. We've talked about this before. This is not what it looks like. You stand up, you know, you get in that playground, and you got the little scrawny arms, right? And you get out there in front, and you kind of flex, and you're like, get out of here, Satan, right? And you do this evil talk moment, and like Satan looks at you and goes, ooh, I'm really afraid of those little skinny arms, and takes off because of you. Like, it's not that. Why is he fleeing? Because the God you're associated with, as you've submitted to him, is standing right behind you, and he's pointing over the top and saying, it's done, move on. He is standing there to protect you with all you have. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. It's over. Because you know the Almighty, and the Almighty is in your presence and caring for you with all you've got. Submit, and then either stand firm or run. It's that simple. Jesus experienced huge success as he understood exactly how to stand firm. His weakness was not in an internal flesh weakness, an internal self-awareness, an internal desire to please and gratify self. And so he didn't have to flee in those moments of temptation. He stood up and he quoted scripture. And I'm telling you, all too often, this passage is used wrongly, guys. All too often, this passage is used to say, anytime you're tempted, just know the scripture and start trying to quote into it and start trying to believe it and stand in there. And then you end up collapsing. Why? Because your flesh got the better of you. 
You've got to know when to run. Put the two together. When do I run? When do I stand firm? I run when it's a known weakness or I start to feel myself being brought down those enticement paths where I co I'm cooked. I'm gone then. I have to run. Otherwise, I'm standing firm. Does that make sense? Are you seeing how it works? That's the battle plan. It simply comes down to this. You knowing how you are going to go after making an impact in your life. Are you ready to stand firm? Are you ready to be learning the word and knowing the word? Not just so you can be a big Bible fathead who can walk around quoting the Bible to people. Like, I don't care what we can quote. I care what we can live. Right? I don't care what we can quote. I care what we can live. So let's learn it and begin to embrace it and begin to change and be shaped by it. Let's begin to go after him with all we have because as we decide how to fight right... It simply starts with this. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Know him with everything you've got. Have a passionate, personal relationship with him. I don't really have a passion for him right now. Sin's in your life. Oh, it's there. Because I'm telling you, you're standing in the presence of the Almighty, and he's not blowing you away. There's something going on. There's something you're grabbing onto and holding onto. And it's been there for a while. So long that you've gotten used to it. That you're okay with it. Find it. It's time for it to go. It's time to confess our sins before him and simply say, Lord, I want to be clean before you. Let's get this on. I want you to be cleansing me. I want you to be changing me. Find in me whatever needs to go. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, how we started this whole series. Just cleanse me, Lord. Let's get this thing right. Search me and know me. Test me. Let's start to live a pure and clean life because you are the Almighty, because you are the King of kings and Lord of lords, because you have changed my life and I'm not living it well enough and I want to live it better, because you can stand over me and Satan will flee, because you will be taking this place back, because this is your realm. Just doesn't show it yet. Lord, may you be glorified in my life. I want to claim you to be stronger than anything and anyone I've ever known. I'm giving you my life. I'm giving you my heart. Take the junk in me and let's get it clean. That's what it's all about, guys. It's about fleeing and growing. It's about standing firm where you're not tempted. Be ready to do battle. It's going to be hard. He's going to take you on. And where the landmines of the world aren't hitting you, as you become useful, you're going to have to become more aware of the attacks of the evil one. You're going to have to know your word. And as you know your word, claim the lies, write them off, and start living the truth. That's the battle plan. We can have huge growth as a body if we lock arms together and do this. Are you ready to fight right? Are you ready to fight right? Are you ready to fight right? Let's storm the throne of grace and be changed forever. Let me pray.